so the kids go to school. I told Jubilee, I said, we'll see whose faith is greater. And, <laughs> and she said, Mom, the Bible says have childlike faith. I'm like, you might got me there. You might got me there. <laughs> so they're pretty sure they're going to win. Matter of fact, uh, Josh's side of the family has a lot of educators, uh, a lot of people who, who work in uh, uh, the school system. And so um, last week, I, see, they didn't close school like that in the 80s when it was cold. cold. A matter of fact, my mom sent Jesse and I in a blizzard. You remember that? Um, we were pounding on Jones Junior High, like, let us in. Like, where's everybody at? And we looked around like, nobody's there. And we would never let her live that down. She literally sent us to school <laughs> the one time they did close in the 80s. But I, I never remember them closing because it was cold. Uh, it was just cold. You're in school. So there should be heat on, and then you'll be okay. But Shua uh, last week predicted that they were going to close school because it was going to be a rain that was going to turn into ice. I'm like, they're not going to close school because of rain. So I sent a text to Josh's brother-in-law, who's a principal of one of the school systems, and I sent a text to another family member who's a teacher. And even the principal and the teacher said, no, they're not going to close school because of rain. See, they were, they were kids in the 80s too. And <laughs> the next day I get a text from all the family like, Shua was right. They closed school because of rain. <laughs> So um, we'll see. We'll see what, what the weather does this week. But regardless, we would like to warm up Wednesday night with prayer. We just believe in the power of prayer. This is one of the first um, nights that we've gathered together for just the purpose of prayer. And that kind of is sad to me. We probably should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> so, But we really feel um, in this 2019 that we've got to get back to the basics and focusing on seeking God's face and praying and saying, hey, we need you. So Josh and I are both going to be there. Jill is a powerful intercessor. She has been praying and interceding. I know she's um, pumped up about what God is going to do. If you want to braid it in the cold weather, I'm pretty sure Aunt Margaret will have heat on in her house. Um, dress. <laughs> she's like... Me, she likes to stay warm, or my mom and dad, they, they're just always hot no matter what. But So they're per everybody come out for prayer, man. We're going to warm it up. We're going to believe the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's going to bring the fire of God, and it's going to be good stuff. So um, now that I'm done blabbing about all that, I'm going to pray. If you guys wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes with me, that would be wonderful. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence, Lord God, and worship Jesus. God, we thank you that if you be for us, who can be against us? God, we thank you for every season, the seasons of celebrations and the seasons, Lord God, where we're uh, down and going through things because, God, we know that you are God um, of the mountains and the valleys. And so, Lord, I pray today as we dig into your word that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. God, that when your word is spoken today, God, that it would pierce our hearts, that it would change our minds, that it would draw us closer to you, that it would cause a holy determination to rise up within us, that we would follow you, and that our personal relationship with you would grow deeper and stronger. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we've been in a sermon series called Genesis. It's called In the Beginning. And we have been going back to the beginning. God just keeps having us go back to the basics, go back to the beginning. And we're learning so many things uh, from the scriptures. 
And today we're going to talk about probably one of, there's so many um, passages in Genesis that if you grew up in church or you know your Bible at all, you probably know them. But I feel God, uh, his word is living. So it doesn't matter how many times you read it. He, it, he speaks something fresh to you and something new to you every time. So today we're going to go to a very familiar passage in the book of Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 22. And it's about the testing of Abraham. It's about when God asked Abraham to um, lay down his son Isaac. And so it's a very interesting interesting story, uh, an interesting account. I don't like to say story because then people think it's make-believe, so I try to correct myself when I say that. It's a very interesting, true account in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read it together, um, but the, the, the message is titled today, Will You Pass the Test of Faith? Will you say that with me? Will you pass the test of faith? Abraham did, and I hope we will too. Let's read it. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and, and the knife as the two of them went together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out of his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord cried or called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place where the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together to Beersheba, and Abraham stayed there in Beersheba. This account is pretty um, has some a lot of meat in it, and we're going to go over it. But before I get into it, I want to kind of bring in one New Testament scripture. I've been doing a lot when I've been preaching on Genesis, relating Genesis back to the New Testament, especially in the um, chapter Hebrews 11, which is called the Hall of Faith, because a lot of the people in Genesis are mentioned in that chapter. And, and Abraham is mentioned a couple times in that chapter. But this verse in chapter 11 of Hebrews 17 through 19 really relates to this account, this of Abraham and Isaac, and it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, or he, uh, he who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Wow, friends, this... Um, this account, there's so much we can learn from it. But I want to focus on what the old scholars actually titled this uh, account. Now, if you know that the Bible didn't actually have the chapters and verses, scholars years and years ago went back and put that, and they decided to title Genesis chapter 22 as Abraham's test. And I believe that most of us, not most of us, actually, I'm going to step up and say I believe all of us go through times of testing. I believe God tests us to see what's in our heart. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that even says that. And I believe that many of us need to learn how to pass the test. And so we can learn from Abraham on how to pass the test. I'm going to break down four keys that we need to pass the test when God tests us. And we're going to break this down in my favorite teaching style, an acrostic on the word test. So say with me, pass the test. I want to pass. I don't want to fail the test. Amen. I want to pass. The very first thing that we can learn from Abraham and how to pass the test is we need to learn to trust. Oh, we say we trust, but when it comes down to trusting, do we really trust? I don't mean just trusting when it's easy. I mean, trust God even when it doesn't make any sense. How about that? I mean, it's easy to say I trust God when everything's going great and God's doing exactly what we want him to do. But when God puts us through a test and he's not doing what we want him to do when we want him to do it, then do you trust him? Do you trust him when things aren't going the way you want? Do you trust him when you don't get the healing that you prayed for? Do you trust him when the person that you've relied on the most has left you, either just flat out left you because they left or because they passed away? Do you trust him then? Do you trust him when the money in the bank is not where it needs to be? <laughs> oh, Lord. All this relates back to one thing, Abraham's faith in God. You see, Abraham knew the character of God. He knew that God was the one who kept his word. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God is not a man that he shall lie or a son of man that he shall change his mind. God, tr Abraham trusted the character of God. We have to trust the character of God. Do we believe that God is good? 
If we believe God is good, why do bad things happen? That's when the trust comes in, friends. To know that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is decaying and dying. We live in a world that the Bible says that if the sons of God are not revealed and cry out that God is God, that the rocks will literally cry out. We live in a world where, where creation is waiting for the people of God to be revealed and to declare that God is good. Do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word gospel means good news? We are not, we are not created for just this world, friends. We are passing through. <laughs> in Corinthians, it says, it says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For these light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, friends. Do you trust God when things don't make sense? Abraham he had faith in God. He trusted God. He trusted the character of God. He knew that God was good. He knew that God could do the impossible. Because he knew that God, God and had a strong relationship with God, his faith was strong because he knew the character of God and he knew that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy, friends. I felt the Lord speak a little something to me in my spirit. And I don't think it's just for me. I think it's for all of us because many of us are in times of testing right now. And God is saying to us, do you trust me? Let's think about that for a minute. Do you trust me? Do you trust that whatever happens, I will fulfill my purpose in you? No matter what the outcome is. Do you trust that the storm will not destroy you? I am pressed, but not crushed. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. The storms in life will not destroy you. Do you trust? Will you obey me when it doesn't make sense? Hmm. Will you go where I ask you to go? Will you do what I ask you to do? Abraham was willing to trust his present and his future to God, even the future of his one and only son. I love the scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Oh, isn't that hard? We say we trust in the Lord, but isn't it hard not to lean on your own understanding? Isn't it hard not to rely on your own intellect? your own knowledge, your own background, your own experience. Lean not on your own understanding. And then it says this, in all your ways, submit to him. That means lay down, yield to him, and he will make your path straight. I was talking to a young person here recently, and I said, it's so hard when you're young. I remember, I remember being a young adult and not knowing exactly what my future held. And I remember having even anxiety, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? Where am I going to go? Who am I going to marry? And you have like those thoughts that are constantly going through your mind. I said, but this is a thing. Here I am now 40 years old, and I still don't exactly know what my future holds for me. <laughs> but I trust in the Lord and lean not on my own understanding. Acknowledge him. He is good. Acknowledge him in the hard times as well as in the good times. And he will make your path straight before you. 
You want to pass the test today? Trust is it's key. Trust is key. Amen? Amen? Get happy about that, friends. You're like, man, trust. Ugh. Trust is key. Another thing that's key to passing the test that we all go through is learning to be earnest. Mm. You know, I know you just went there. Are you thinking about the funny guy? Like that, er, yes. Yes, yes. I thought about him too. You know what? He, he ruined the name Ernest because he was so dor- dorky. But um, <laughs> Ernest is a really cool name. And nobody, I don't think anyone since the 80s has named their child Ernest because of that dork. But Ernest is a really awesome name. I'm serious. Like I was just thinking like, E, like if you have any more babies. But it's like, please do not say have any more babies. I am holding a baby in my hand. But if you had any more babies, Ernest would be a good name. Anyway, Ernest. earnest means resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction (laughs) y'all can't get off that now come on focus (laughs) oh God is calling us to be earnest though okay and you know what what I mean by earnest I mean being earnest to obey oh Eager, look at it that way. Okay, if you, if you can't get off the name Ernest, let's think of eager. <laughs> Being eager to obey. When God calls, we need to be eager. We need to be earnest. We need to be ready. See, Abraham, it says that the scripture that we read, it says that when God called, that early in the morning he rose to obey. He didn't sleep in that day. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't hit the snooze button, right? And said, God, let me obey you later. He didn't hit the snooze button, but early he rose to obey. And he began his journey. And then, see, he traveled three days. So he, he, he had to be earnest in those three days seeing his son. He had, to, he had to stay ready. He had to stay with that mindset, being eager to obey. He had to express his uh, worship to the Lord even on the three-day journey to the mountain. Abraham actually was so, he expected, that's another word, another E word we could use. He had such an expectation that God was going to show up, that the name Jehovah Jireh that we hear, which means the Lord provided, the first time that comes up in the scriptures is here in Genesis 22. Matter of fact, Abraham prophesied that name into being. Because he said, my son, he spoke it right to his son Isaac. He said, my son, God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering. That's the first time we ever see Jehovah Jireh, that God will provide. God is our provider. He was earnest, and because he was earnest, because he was ready, he had an expectation that God was going to show up. So often God asks us to do something, and we have what what I like to sometimes call delayed obedience. We don't want to obey right away. We, we want to wait and see it all out and see if it's going to work out for us, and then maybe we'll hop in after the, those who went before us did the hard work. <laughs> we, want the, we, we don't want to uh, obey immediately, but God is calling for uh, immediate obedience. He's calling us to be earnest, to be ready, to have a holy determination. And you know how we can do that? When we expect God to do what God said he was going to do, and we do not entertain and allow doubt to over, uh, uh, overcome us. Jehovah Jireh, Jireh, the Lord will provide. 
It was not God's intention that Isaac should actually be sacrificed. Yet nobler blood than that of any animals in due time was to be shed for our sin. Even the blood of the one and only begotten son of God, Jesus. But in the meanwhile, God would not let any human sacrifice uh, be used. Another sacrifice was provided. References must be uh, had that the promised Messiah, the blessed seed, Christ, was sacrificed in our stead as this ram instead of Isaac, and his death was our discharge. Sometimes we got to go old school and read the Matthew Henry commentary. That's what that was right there. That this not only was the first time in the book, uh, in the entire Bible, that we have a reference to Jehovah Jireh, but it also is the reference here that Abraham, that Christ was the seed of Abraham. It, it's not, it wasn't Isaac who is the, Isaac was his son, but Isaac was not the seed of Abraham. In, within Isaac and Abraham and Jacob and Judah was the seed of Abraham. That was Jesus. And it was prophesied and shown right here that Isaac was a type of Christ, friends. And Abraham, uh, his expectation, his eager to obey, his earnest obedience it's what we need to have. God will provide. God will show up in your time of need. Friends, God is calling us to be earnest. He's calling us not only to trust, but to back up our belief with earnest action. Sometimes we have to fight to keep our faith. One of my favorite songs right now is, this is how I fight my battles. My battle is not against flesh and blood. My battle is against spiritual powers of evil in this dark world. And I have to fight my battles by praying and, to, and interceding and saying, God, and denying myself of, of going, into, uh, going into doing what I want to do and saying, God, your will be done in my life. Trusting that he will provide and that he will make a way. And then I have to early the next morning, I have to obey. I have to be earnest and eager and expect God to show up. How many of you guys are expecting him to show up? God, increase our faith. God, help us expect you to do what you said you're going to do. Would you, would you increase our expectation, Lord God? Would you increase our earnest obedience? God, would you make us eager for you to come and for you to provide in Jesus' name? Amen. And so there's some keys that we need to pass the test. We need, we need to realize we have to trust. We have to have earnest obedience. And we have to understand that surrender is key for a breakthrough. God is calling us to surrender, to give up, to lay it all down. Surrender is key for our breakthrough. God wants us to surrender our sins, of course. But he also wants us to surrender our hopes, dreams, our talents, our ideas. Abraham was a surrendered man. See, this is not the first time Abraham was tested. God actually called him to leave his father's family when we first read about Abraham, and that was a test. In those days, families stayed together. They were protected that way. They were able to increase their, their um, wealth and their um, influence by staying together. But God called him to leave what he always knew and to go into a land that he knew nothing about. That was his first test. His first test is, do you love me more than your father? 
And then here he is again after he passed that test and received already the promise that because you did this, that, that the land I'm sending you to, one day your descendants will, will rule this land. This was spoken to a man who didn't even have any kids yet, an old man who didn't have any kids yet. And then he had received the promise that your, your, your descendants are not going to be through, you know, because at first Abraham tried to make it in his own might. And so his, his wife said, hey, sleep with my, I don't, I don't know how these women thought back in those days. I'm way too jealous of a woman to do anything like that. But his wife said, hey, sleep with my, my little servant lady and let me have a baby. And so that's what Abraham did. He didn't refuse that, I guess. <laughs> and, and here, it, it, but yet he's like, okay, sometimes the, the biblical uh, way that we can apply that to our lives today is that sometimes God tells us to do something and we try to make it happen in our own might. Because it wasn't happening through Sarah because she was super old, like super, super duper old to have a baby. And yet God said, no, it's through, it's through your wife, not the slave woman. And so then here comes Sarah, and she does get pregnant with Isaac. And so finally the promise, he, the promise finally happens. He left his father. He loved God more than his father. He loved, he loved God more than the, his own efforts with Ishmael. And now do you love God more than what God even promised you? I mean, think about it. Think about it. It's one thing to say, okay, God, I gave you my sin. I gave up my old life. But what what? when you have already been walking with the Lord for some time and you've built something for Jesus, he says, give that up too. That's the harder sacrifice. That's the harder surrender. I don't know about y'all, but this is preaching to me. (laughs) First, he was asked to give up. Do you love me more than your father? Now he's, do you love me more than your son? See, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 10, 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy than me. Do you mean I'm supposed to love God more than my own parents? Yes. I'm supposed to love God more than my own children? That's hard. But yes. Philippians, Paul says it this way, Philippians 3, 7 through 8, when he's talking about giving up, laying down, surrender, he says, but whatever were to my gains. So he's not just saying the sin that used to so easily entangle me in this verse. He's saying, actually, whatever were to my gains. But whatever were my gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The things that he lists were not his sins. It was his accomplishments, friends. I am a Benjamin of Benjamins. I am, a, you know, the best Israelite. I'm so smart. I was trained underneath the smartest people. That's my version, the joy translation. He was basically bragging about how great he is and all of his accomplishments and all of his hard work. Sometimes you just got to lift yourself up and you want to talk to people about how hard you worked and the accomplishments and what you did for God. And then Paul goes on and says, but whatever I did, whatever my accomplishments were, they're garbage, garbage compared to knowing him. (laughs) Poop in some translations, that's right. (laughs) Friends, we have got to learn to surrender. The American church says, God, I want you to come, but I want you not to change me. I don't want you to make me surrender what I've done well. I might try to give up this old bad habit for you, but God, don't ask me to give up some of my money for you. 
God, don't ask me to change my job career for you. God, don't ask me to go to this crazy church plant for you. (laughs) I'm comfortable where I'm comfortable. God, don't come into my comfort zone. But whatever was to my gain, whatever accomplishment I have made thus far is nothing compared to actually knowing Jesus. And when he says, go, I go. When he says, stay, I stay. When he says, fight, I fight. When he says, surrender, I surrender. Nothing's compared to actually knowing God. Friends, we've even idolized the journey. We don't even call it a personal relationship in, in church anymore. We say, oh, the journey we're on. That'll be like Paul, or that'll be like um, Abraham idolizing the three days it took him to get up to the mountain for the Lord to provide. No, God doesn't want us to idolize even our journey, even the path he takes us on. He wants us to have him and knowing him first, friends. Knowing him. Because he can can change everything up. He can can tell you tomorrow it's time for you to go to Africa and, and, and to minister. Would you obey? Oh, God, but how is this going to work? How is this going to work? How can I do this? How... Would you obey? <sighs> Jesus, where's our faith at, Lord? Where's our surrender at? Help us. Surrender means giving up everything. Everything. Sin, yes. Surrender that to the Lord. But everything else, your talents, your family, your dreams, your aspirations, your accomplishments, surrender it all. That's what he's calling us to do. Abraham gets lots of props for his faith, but what about Isaac? Let's talk a little bit about Isaac. If you grew up in church at all, maybe you grew up way back in the day and you you had the felt boards. (laughs) Anyone remember the felt boards in kids' church? Don't bust those out, Aunt Margaret. I'm going to keep those back. <laughs> the felt boards, though, but they were kind of cool, man. I remember seeing the little, the, uh, little Bible characters, and, you know, that was our technology. There was a, it, was like a, it was a felt board, and you took another little thing, and you, you character, and you stuck it up on that board. Kindergarten, yeah. I'm surprised they even had that when he was in kindergarten. But, yeah, so this is the thing. We picture Isaac as a, as a young boy in this story, but... Most likely, most scholars agree that he was actually a young man. See, he actually was old enough to understand something's off here, Dad. I'm going up on this mountain. It's been a three-day trip. I see the wood. I see the fire. It's just me and you going. Where is the lamb? He was old enough to figure something is off. (laughs) Here's the wood. Here's the fire. It's me and you. You left the service. Where is the lamb? He was old enough to figure something Something didn't seem like it normally uh, takes place. See, he was old enough not only to notice that, but to actually help carry the firewood, the Bible says, which was a, enough wood that was supposed to be for a whole human body. So you have to imagine it wasn't just like one little piece. Of, I, I got a seven-year-old, and I can't see him carrying a whole lot of wood up a mountain. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yep. He has a hard time just cleaning his room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so jo- Josephus, who was, who was a Jewish historian, one of the most respected, said that Isaac was probably about 25 years old. So think about Isaac as a young man. Yeah, and not just him. There was actually, I, got, I can go through, I got like three other um, historians of the Jewish culture that really believed that, he, that Isaac was not a boy, but actually a young man. So 
if that is the likely case, if Isaac really was a young man and not just a young boy, we can conclude that Isaac was willingly obeyed his father and got up on that altar and prepared to lay down his life. That makes more sense to me because God calls us to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God according to Romans 12.1. It says this is the spiritual act of worship that I require for you to be a holy uh, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know what God requires of us? For us to literally get up on the altar and lay our life down. Friends. Surrender always precedes sacrifice. We will not lay down if we don't give up our rights. Surrender is giving up our rights. Just like when we watch bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? You guys remember that, uh, the reality show, Cops? And when the criminal comes out, their hands got to go up. I surrender. We have to give up before we ever lay down. But God is calling us not just to surrender but to sacrifice, to be a living sacrifice, giving up our rights but then laying down our life. That is what God calls us to do. And friends, it is so hard to give up our rights. We pride ourselves as Americans about our rights. This is, this is, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have that as a constitution and have that as, as a country, a democracy. But as a Christian, we give up our rights. And we lay down our life so hard. And I think it's, it's interesting to observe that this mountain, Moriah, where they were at, that was where the temple was actually built, most scholars believe. That was the place of sacrifice. And afterwards, built upon the same mountain and Calvary, where Christ was crucified, was near. The new name was given to that place for the encouragement of all believers to surrender all, to obey God, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Friends, it's time for us to give up. It's time for us to surrender. So what is he asking you to surrender today? Is it your music, your entertainment? I caught myself falling into a, a blah, a couple, uh, about actually the beginning of this week. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to zone out and watch some Netflix, but I put on a show and it was like, it, 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 was, it was bad. But I was trying to watch it. And then all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of convict me. And I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not trying to be all super spiritual or crazy, but I felt the Holy Spirit convict me. And um, I paused the show. I went in to wash my face. I washed my face, and it was fine. My face was fine. Dried it off. I went back. I was like, oh, I'm bored, and my life is just a lot going on right now. And whatever, God, I'm going to ignore that voice. I'm going to hit play. And I start hitting play, and I start trying to watch the show. And all of a sudden, this was after I washed my face, dried it. All of a sudden, my eyes started burning. I'm not even lying. It was crazy. I was like, I don't know if I got soap in it. I didn't notice at first, but then I tried watching the show, and they just my eyes started burning, and my eyes started watering. I was like, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you, God. I hear you, and I shut that show off so fast. I ran me and Jubilee share a bathroom in how our house is. There's, like, my bedroom and then a bathroom and then Jubilee's bath, bedroom, and she says we share a bathroom. So I, I ran into her, her, her bedroom, and I said, Jubilee, guess what just happened to me? She's like, mm, Mom, you better turn off that show. <laughs> I'm saying that to say this, that it's so easy for us to make excuses for not surrendering. The, the Holy Spirit told me not to watch it, but I wanted to because I was bored because I was feeling down and I, I didn't want to think about my life. I just wanted to zone out on the stupid show. 
Now that he doesn't do something, I, I, that doesn't always happen to me. <laughs> okay. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to over-spiritualize it. I could have just had soap in my eyes. I don't know. But I, it made me stop and say, okay, God, I hear you now. What is God asking you to surrender? If we can't even give up certain musics and, and, and TV that we watch, what, what more are we going to give up when he tries to come into our comfort zone? Our friends, our, our accomplishments, our dreams, our talents. If we don't even want to give up our sin, don't touch my comfort zone. Friends, we need to learn to surrender. Whatever is most precious to us is our Isaac, and that is what God is calling us to surrender. What is most precious to you? God is calling us to surrender it at times. I heard someone say sleep. You know what? I think the reason we don't see revival the way we should see revival is because when God calls us in the midnight hour, we refuse to listen. I'm preaching to myself, friends. I've been having a real hard time surrendering some things in my life lately, things that are in my comfort zone. Lord, help us surrender. Finally, the last key that I want to talk about today to pass the test is that we have to realize that trials, which could also be used as tests, mature us in the faith. We have to realize that there's a reason we're going through the tests, that those trials mature us in the faith. James 1, 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This too shall pass, friends. Most Christians will go through many kinds of trials. It does not mean that your faith is weak. Matter of fact, I believe it's the opposite. My pastor used to say, the higher the level, the bigger the devil. (laughs) The more you surrender to God, the more you give uh, God all of your life, the more trials that we go through because the bigger the target is on our back. Strong faith is often exercised with strong trials and put upon hard service. That's Matthew Henry again. Listen to that. Strong faith is often exercised with strong trials and put upon hard service. Trials always proceed blessings. God tested Abraham in order to expand his faith, in order to bless him. God didn't test Abraham to find out what he would do. God doesn't need to find out anything. He already knows everything. God already knew what Abraham was about. That means this is the thing, friends, if we really believe what James 1, 3 says, that when we go through various trials, we should realize that it's the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its course so that we can be mature and complete. That means when your faith is being stretched, it's like you're being worked out spiritually. It's like you're in the spiritual, um, the, the God gym right there, and your muscles are being, they're, they're being uh, stretched, and you're increasing, and you're building up your spiritual uh, muscles, just like a muscle in a gym has to be stretched. It has to be exercised. Our spiritual faith has to be stretched. It has to be exercised. And that happens through the tests and the trials that we endure. So God allowed Abraham to experience this difficulty in order to build him up. When you go through something, we need to remember. When you're going through a trial, it's to build you up. And, man, it's hard to remember that in the middle of it. Amen? Oh, sometimes in the middle of it, all we can think of is this stupid trial, this dumb test I'm in, this season of just nothing working out the way I want it to work out. 
But yet God is increasing our faith. God is maturing us. He cares more about our inner life than all of our outward accomplishments. Someone say amen. Abraham gave God his best, his son Isaac. And if we will only give God our best, we can receive God's blessing and his blessings. We need to take a lesson for Abraham, friends. It was after Abraham had, Isaac was all the way on that altar that God showed that ram in a thicket. And I'm telling you, friends, sometimes we just got to look up because the thicket is there. I almost called this last point when you're in the thick or the thicket of it all. (laughs) When you're in the thicket of it all, right? God has provided for us. Just like when we feel like all the temptation is coming, the Bible says there's always that window. There's always that way out, friends. God is there, and God cares about what you're going through. But Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 6. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. How many of us have been in a season of grief? I have. How many of us have just been going through some trials, a season of trials, one thing after another, Friends, you can pass the test of faith by knowing that those trials are going to increase your faith and they're going to allow God to bless you even more. It was after the ram was provided that God again sealed the covenant with Abraham that not only are you going to have Isaac, but the seed, the the seed of, of God is in you and your people will bless every single nation because of Jesus Christ being the seed of Abraham, friends. I want to receive the blessing. I need to go through the trial. Let us pass the test of faith by trusting God, being earnest to obey, surrendering even our most precious possession, and enduring every trial. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? Thank you, Jesus. You are so worthy. You are so worthy. You are so good. Can I get, um, I don't know, music of some sort? You are so worthy and you are so good, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in the mighty name of